Gradcast, the podcast and radio show of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm Elizabeth Muller, your host. And I'm, I'm your co-host, oh. Yusuf. Today with Jason Wesniak. Hi, Jason. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty great. I'm doing pretty great. Thank you for coming on the show today. So just to, to kick things off, tell us a bit about you and your research and what kinds of things you're up to. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I've been at Western for probably seven years now. I did both my undergrad and my master's degree here. I'm currently almost finishing my master's in economic geology here with the Department of Science. Uh, you know, I've always found geology to be fascinating. And ever since I was a kid, you know, I, I picked up rocks, collected them, ruined laundry machines and, and thus forth with them. So yeah, it kind of ended up being something I fell into and I love it. So yeah. So Jason, you were doing, you're doing a master's in geology right now, but what about a few years before that? Uh, so I s actually started off my university career in medical science. Uh, I really, uh, I enjoyed kind of what I was learning, but I, you know, wasn't very successful. I had, I, I struggled with uh, certain aspects. So for example, I'm not a good biochem person. Like I just can't do it. I just can't get my brain to wrap around it. Uh, so I decided, you know, to, to dabble around, take a couple other courses. Uh, I took my first geology course in first year and really, really enjoyed it. And I was like, you know what, let's try it. And I was there ever since. <laughs> I guess the first year courses are so important. I mean, they can really change people's careers as it did in your case. Yeah. And, and for me, it was also like the professor I was with too. I just found that, you know, I really uh, enjoyed his teaching style and I liked the class size because it was a bit smaller. And I was like, you know what? I really like this. I'm going to pursue this. So geology is a pretty big field, I would think. Is there a specific branch of geology that you're looking at in your specific research? Yeah, so as I said before, it's economic geology, but I, I kind of, even eco economic geology is a very large, you know, window where that could co uh, cover, you know, native elements like nickel and, and cobalt and all those things that you find in batteries and electronics. And I specialize more in, in gold mineralization uh, so that's kind of uh, my research is more focused on an individual deposit up in Timmins and it's it's gold related. So, Jason, how did you get interested in gold mineralization in particular? How did you make that choice? For, for me, it was it wasn't really a choice. It's just uh, I, I, I again kind of fell into it. It was it was one of these things where uh, I knew a professor. We had talked for a long time about possible projects. And he basically asked, you know, you could work up here, or you could work up here, um, but you know, what would you like to study? And I talked to a couple of the employers. I did a couple of interviews, and so I'm I'm doing my uh, master's research in conjunction with uh, a company. And after the interview, I'm like, wow, I really like these these guys. I want to work for them. And so it inevitably led me down the path to study gold for them. So. Jason, imagine that you're with us, with Elizabeth and me in an elevator, uh, and somehow there's no COVID. That's a big assumption. Uh, <laughs> we're all going on the 30th floor, so we have plenty of time. Tell us about your research in a nutshell. 
Um, so long story short, it's on a deposit up in Timmins called the Gold River Deposit. Um, it's, it's unique in comparison to most of the other deposits you find in Timmins. Uh, my research is focused on basically telling the company and telling, you know, anyone who looks at my research and, and my supervisor and, you know, whoever wants to know where the gold is specifically in the deposit and how you can find it easily is basically the overall, you know, goal of what I'm doing. Uh, it's kind of different because a lot of people, when they think of like gold mineralization or like a gold deposit, they think, you know, it's, it's gold in these veins or, mm -hmm. you know, you dig down and you find, you know, a, a big layer of gold in the ground. I actually, in reality, it's, it's very much a more nuanced science because gold could be in like pyrite or arsenopyrite or dissolved into certain minerals. And so you need to, to then analyze those minerals to see how much gold is in there and how much gold is in there. Uh, and then there's the whole business of alteration where, you know, you're looking at, for example, in my research, the rocks are, you know, 2.8 billion years old. Actually, they're more like 2.7-ish. But 2 .7 that's a lot. What? Oh. Billion. Oh, okay. So they're very oh. old. <laughs> yeah. So... So you have things that are that old that obviously water has gotten through and, and they've been squished and moved and, you know, rafted all across the earth. So you have to then look at what's happened to that rock and decipher, I now know what's happened to the rock. So mm -hmm. where did the gold go? How did the gold move? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting uh, kind of puzzle that, that you can solve. Why, why is it called the Gold River Deposit? Honestly, so if you, for the company that I'm working for, uh, they have, for example, one of their mines is just called like the Highway 144 mine. And it's literally just because the deposit is found, you know, due east of Highway 144. <laughs> so the Gold River deposit, even though it sounds cool, is literally just located underneath a small, tiny little creek that's called the Gold River. And that's, that's it. <laughs> hey, I, I want to work there as well because of the name pretty cool name it makes you think that there's a lot like a huge amount of gold there but it, i mean there's decent amounts of gold there but it's it's a misleading name for sure so i don't think you were after gold when you you know tried to take more courses in geology um so tell us more about how you got more interested in what are you working on these days um, so I guess what happened was I, so I did my general geology courses. So you do like sedimentology and igneous mm -hmm. petrology and metamorphic geology. And you do all those, those basically, you know, courses to round yourself out. And I kind of, my professor, who is now my supervisor, I fell in love with his class in ore geology. And I'm like, oh, I really like, you know, the hard rock stuff. Because like, yes, yeah, sediments are cool and everything. And, and I like studying volcanoes. Like, that's mm, awesome. Yeah. But I found like with ore geology, there was a puzzle. And it was like, I, ever since I was a kid, jigsaw puzzles were my thing. I liked, you know, taking clues and putting them together. So yeah, when I, when I took the course with him, I'm like, I really like this. I think I want to pursue this. And so he actually took me on for an undergraduate thesis. And so when I did my undergraduate thesis with him, I'm like, I, I know how he works. You know, we've worked together already and I really, really enjoy him being my supervisor. So then I basically asked him, you know, would you be willing to do a master's project? And that's when he threw out all the options for me. And 
let me choose where I wanted to go. So Jason, in your work, do you have to actually go to Timmins? And if so, has that how, because I'm sure it has, that has COVID impacted that? Uh, so I've been kind of lucky where I collected all of my data, uh, got all of my samples pretty much almost two years ago. Um, and actually, I, I've intermittently gone back to Timmins. So uh, I've been basically you know, jumping back and forth, you know, week at a time. And, and I've also worked uh, for the company, I believe it was last summer for, you know, four months. Um, but going to Timmins, I actually like Timmins. Timmins isn't too bad. Um, but I haven't been back since COVID started. And I imagine uh, I'd probably have to do the whole, you know, 14 day quarantine, quarantine when I get there and then, you know, take my samples or, or do what I need to do. And then 14 day quarantine when I get back. Yeah, I guess I was wondering, um, a follow up to what Elizabeth said. I mean, so how did, how do you think COVID is impacting your research now? Oh, I, it definitely, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to swear. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> it, it really, really, really unfortunately impacted my research. Oh. It, it basically, I had taken off, you know, this entire summer, I had like a certain plan, I wanted to, you know, send my samples to get laser ablation work done in Windsor. But because of as soon as COVID hit, none of that could happen. So I couldn't come into the lab to do any of the analysis I needed to do. I couldn't send my samples off. So it's actually it's, it's heavily kind of delayed my work, we'll say. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually had to cut out the laser ablation data altogether. Because there's Windsor University still is not accepting samples from elsewhere. So, but do you think um, you're heading in a different path now in your research because of the limitations imposed by the current environment? I I I think we've already taken the path because I'm kind of finishing up here. Uh, but uh, we basically redid a bunch of samples, and we basically we. We looked because we're doing uh, something called the electron microprobe. That's kind of the equipment we're using. And so we decided, you know what, we have this available to us. Let's just use it to the best ability. And we just took as many samples as we could. And we're like, analyze this, analyze this, analyze this. So we ended up basically, it went from being a study where, you know, you'd have, you know, 15 to 20 samples and you'd have like a huge gauntlet of analysis run on those 10 to 15 samples. And that has changed to having now, you know, 50 samples and you only have half of the gauntlet being run because you can't do that last step. Cool. You mentioned laser ablation a minute ago. What is that? Uh, yeah, so uh, laser ablation is basically, <laughs> um, so my samples, like I was kind of hinting at before, it's not just gold in a vein and it's not just free gold. Uh, Actually, in my deposit, it's golden arsenopyrites and in pyrites. And so basically, these are like small sulfide minerals, you know, tens of microns to maybe hundreds of microns big. And all the gold is trapped within the crystal lattice of that mineral. So what laser ablation does is it basically you take a laser and you zap uh, a line into the sample. And basically, you, you're burning away the sample. And the laser ablation uses a mass spectrometer. Uh, long story short, it just weighs 
the, the weight of the atoms and it divides them so that you can read what's in your sample. Uh, and it takes all of that data and it spits out, you know, at this point in the sample, you had, you know, this much gold and this much arsenic and this much sulfur and, and this much iron. And, and it basically, as the laser tracks along the mineral, it gets a good reading of every single point of that mineral of what's inside it. That's pretty cool that you get to do all of these things with these fancy equipment as well. I mean, many of us who are doing research, uh, we just sit at our, at our homes at times. I guess I'm telling you about myself and <laughs> just think really hard. I mean, in my case, I do philosophy, for example. Um, but yeah, so how does it feel to be a researcher and to travel and to be to have such a hands-on approach on these kinds of issues uh i i love it it's the reason why i went into it nice. uh, as soon as i first stepped into the lab i'm like i love this i could do this all day <laughs> because I, I i actually have trouble sometimes sitting down and just like for example, thinking about something, I can't do it. I need something. Like I said, as a kid, when I was with the jigsaw puzzles, I need things in front of me to, to kind of stimulate me in a way, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what's the, what's the next step for you in your research? Um, so I honestly, I finished up all of my, you know, microprobe work. I finished up all my thin section work. For me right now, it's, it's honestly just finishing the writing. Um, my supervisor and I are kind of sending drafts back and forth, but yeah, it's, it's just the writing now that I have to finish. I was wondering, um, is, are you involved in some sort of collaborative work? I, I can imagine you working with people in different fields of geology as well and learn from each other. I, I would say not directly with my research. Am I, like, am I involved with, uh, like a collaboration, for example, with, you know, the sediments, uh, mm -hmm. the people, because I am working with altered sediments. So, I mean, that would be the most realistic, you know, collaborative work I could do would be like, you know, an analysis of the altered sediments. Um, but I, I'm not doing any sort of collaboration. I mean, the biggest collaboration in my research would have to be the company that has, you know, helped, you know, provide the samples and helped, you know, support the research. Uh, because I actually go back to them and I like send them a report because in the end, my analyses and my research benefits their knowledge of what they want to mine. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like a direct, you know, there's a reason for me to finish this work because they're, they're helping pay for it. And, you know, I have to answer to them as well. So. Are you hoping uh, after you're done the writing to do some publications based on your work or perhaps some teaching or are you thinking you might like to work for a while? So I am definitely thinking of publishing. Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of why, you know, my supervisor and I are, are bouncing drafts back and forth. Uh, we're just trying to get, you know, proper formats for certain publications. Yes. Oh, that's so much fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not an English student. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very clear. <laughs> what about confer uh, attending conferences? Oh, uh, well, because you can't now because of COVID. Oh, yeah. But, yeah that's uh, a different experience yes. altogether. Yeah. There, there have been some awesome 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 geological conferences i was able to present at uh, pdac last year which is a you know prospectors and developers association of canada it's the biggest mining conference in the world and it's held in toronto 
surprisingly oh, okay. enough. But yeah, it was it was awesome. I like I love presenting. As if you can't tell, I'm I'm good at talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's a lot of fun. Sometimes I can't shut up. But uh, yeah, no, I I got to go to some great conferences. Yeah. So um, your field work is in Ontario, but I was wondering if you had the if you had the choice, where else would you like to go? Any dream place that you'd like to study and learn more um, that you think would shed more light on your research? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, there's so many places. Um, <laughs> I mean, places of interest for my research or just places of interest in general? Because, I mean... I think a bit of both, perhaps. Uh, so, I mean, just north of Timmins, there's a, there's a mine called the Hoyle Pond Mine, which, I mean, would directly relate to what I'm studying. Cool. But if I, like, if I could go anywhere else, I'd, I'd want to check out, you know, the gold, if they would allow me, the gold mineralization in Russia, because they apparently also have some very similar deposits. Um, Australia has some really cool gold deposits that I would love to study. Um, and I, surprisingly, I'm, well, not surprisingly, um, but to kind of address your question further, geology has a great opportunity where they have field courses that you can go on. Oh, okay. Um, and a number of them are international field courses. So I was actually able to go on an international field course to Colombia in South America and an international field course where we basically toured the entire like southwestern United States, give or take. And we kind of did a loop around the bottom. So I got to see a lot of cool stuff there. Awesome. So COVID obviously is putting a damper on things, but when, when it lifts, where would you like to travel next with your work? Well, I, I inevitably I'll have to go back up to Timmins. I mean, that's that's exciting times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but if if I could, I would. Yeah, I would. I would love to go. You know, even across northern Ontario, just to get a look at the gold camps up there. It, I, as soon as COVID ends, I even if I have to take you know my own truck and be like, hey Bob, just taking a quick break for a week. You know, that's something I would obviously be interested in doing. No. Is your master's uh, two years or one year? Uh, two years. Oh, it's a two-year program. Yeah. Okay, so you have, uh, and you're in your first year, second year? I'm in my second year. I'm, I'm actually almost done. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, cool. So you must be looking into possibility of uh, further research or as well? Uh, actually, my goal for now for the end of this is a job. And the company who I'm doing the thesis for has actually hired me. Wow. wow. <laughs> so I'll be leaving in a month to, to go work. <laughs> Goodbye research for, and just get, okay, I, I love the plan of like getting something published as well. Yeah. Learn as much as you can, all the experiences and then get a job. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've, I've kind of been lucky where- It's a good path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've been I've just been like super lucky where the, the people who I did the master's research for were like, oh, yeah, we liked you working with us. You know, we had a good time while you're here. So, you know, and your, your research is, is really helping us out. So we're inviting you to, you know, come back up. We'll give you a six month contract and we'll see how you work out. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, OK, I'll take it. Very nice. I mean, especially in these times where people it, it's a little hard to think about jobs given the conditions but that's amazing that you get to do your job in the stuff that you love most 
Yeah, I, yeah, I've been super lucky. I mean, I know some other people who have not been so lucky where it's just, you know, uh, they, they do their research with either a company or they just yeah. finished their master's. And, you know, they have all these prospects and especially because of COVID, they're like, yeah. sorry, we, we can't hire anyone. Well, I like you know, that. We've downsized. I like that you're saying you've been very lucky. I mean, I, I know it's not just luck. I mean, you've worked really hard. You've done a very good job, but yeah. that you, you're clearly aware that there are so many people who have done really good work as well, and they don't have these opportunities. So it's nice to have that perspective, Jason. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes I feel like, like when I say luck, it, it's very much almost the luck of the draw as to, you know, if, if someone can hire you or because a lot of the master's research students I know who've, who've graduated, they're like, yes, my company contacted me and said they would love to have me, but they just can't like staff right now. Now, I was thinking um, besides geo economic geology, um, is there any, any other kind of interest that you have that might be similar, but still somewhat different? Yeah, so um i would say i like if i could like dream dream job um like paleontology is really cool i mean again <laughs> i don't really have the memory to memorize all the bones and stuff yeah I yeah would, i would either i would either go into paleontology to look at like dinosaurs and stuff i know that isn't that super cool to look at stuff that's so old and yet was living at a point yeah, it's pretty awesome. I actually have a, a good friend who's studying paleontology for his master's. Yeah. And he's like, he's smitten with like his, his favorite movie ever since he was a child is Jurassic Park. Like this yeah. kid, <laughs> this kid is a born and bred paleontologist. So he's, he's pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, uh, if not fossils and, and paleontology, I do like vol volcanology. I think, oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it, movies help us to look into things a lot more like I, I know indiana jones a long time ago when i was very young i was in grade seven and they or maybe eight i think and they asked like what do you want to do when you grow up and i, went, I want to be an archaeologist <laughs> and uh yeah no they're pretty cool jobs and, and some of the stuff you can find is is insane like there's oh. um uh my friend, when we went out to uh, Calgary, he found a big, like an ammonite. So an ammonite's this old, uh, are you familiar with what a nautiloid is? No, no, nor an ammonite. Can you step back a bit and tell us yeah. what those are? So it, it's, it's basically, imagine a huge, huge, like shrimp, we'll say. A shrimp. Ex except it's got a, like a spiral shell, like a snail. So wow. it's kind of. So it's kind of got like the octopusy tentacly, you know, like things of like snails and octopuses. Actually, it was a cephalopod, so it's more like a squid. But it's got the sh the big shell on the outside. It looks. It sounds scary. <laughs> so an, an, a nautiloid is like a modern day. Like you can find them in the ocean. They're like a modern day, you know, idea of of what they think these things could have looked like. Oh. Um. But an ammonite. It were these massive, massive, massive creatures that were in the ocean. And, you know, things like plesiosaurs and stuff would, would snack on them. Um, but we went out to Calgary and they have all the big, you know, 
sediment flats and fossil flats where you can find these things. And there was an ammonite that I think was like half a meter wide, just absolutely oh, huge. And, and you wouldn't think, you know. Wait, you saw it? Yeah, yeah. Like they yeah. have museums and stuff out there. Oh, okay. They, they have just absolutely massive creatures where if you were to like go swimming and see it now, it'd just be like, nope. Nope, sorry. Never saw uh, it again. Yeah, no, no, I'll never swim again. Definitely. So, Jason, you mentioned something earlier I want to come back to, that you'd been hired by a, a company to, to do your thesis. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because I think most students, myself included, apply and, and work with a supervisor at a university, but we're not working for a company. So that's, that's an interesting um, aspect to graduate school that I personally hadn't thought about before. Yeah, so I th I think with geology you kind of get the the uh, the unique opportunity where you know a lot of your research can be directly applied to industry. So what happened in my case was this this company had been looking at a deposit and they didn't understand a bunch of stuff, and the geologists there were like, "Hey, we like we need thin sections done. We need geochemistry done. We need you know." Uh, extra analysis done on all of these samples, but they don't have the facilities to do it. So my supervisor who's in contact with this company was like, hey, you know, I have a master's student. He'd, he'd probably be a good fit for your project. He'd be a good fit for working with you guys. How about we work on your project? So it kind of becomes almost like a, a give and take between the industry and, you know, academia where they have all the questions and we have the ability to answer those questions because they're not going to do all these analyses because uh, they're too expensive. I mean, they could try sending it to universities, but then they don't have, you know, someone to make sense of, you know, all the analytical data. So it kind of becomes a kind of an opportunity for a student, you know, here's, here's basically the project and, you know, go ahead and, and do the work and let us know what the results are. Wow. Um, well, we're almost at the end of the session. It was super exciting to learn so much about uh, geology in this domain uh, <laughs> and also to know more about Ontario terrain as well. Do you have any advice that you can give to others? Yes. Yeah, so I would say something that I, I learned from my master's and my undergrad and everything else, do what you love. Like, it doesn't matter what anyone else says, you know, you can, you can find what you love and you can do it and you can eventually make a career out of it because there's a lot of people who get, you know, they get stuck and they don't know what to do. So my overall advice is, yeah, just, just do what makes you happy. I think that's superb uh, advice. I mean, that's what I did. That's true for me as well in terms of doing philosophy. Um, so, uh, would you like to share any social media link that with all of us? Yeah. So, um, I, th I think I, I, I have a strong inclination. You can find me on Instagram, uh, as uh, I think it's J underscore was J underscore W O Z or something like that. Cool. Um, and then I've worked closely with Western universities, uh, society of economic geologists. Uh, it's a great club and it's a great opportunity to, you know, learn about economic geology if you don't know about it. Um, 
and that's on Instagram as seg uh, dot lsc. I think. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Jason. You've yeah. been listening to Gradcast, the podcast and radio show of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Elizabeth Moeller, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yusuf. The show was produced by Arrow Frame, and we were fortunate enough to have Jason Wozniak on to tell us all about rocks and geology. If you want to hear more podcasts like the one you've heard today, you can find us on YouTube channel. You can find us at gradcast.ca and on Twitter and Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch, maybe you'd like to share a really cool research project, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. That's it for tonight. Have a good day.